Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. So if you're taking notes, you could go ahead and you could write this down on your notepad there, on your phone or whatnot. And you could write down good medicine. It's just good medicine. And, and that's kind of what <clears throat> I want to pray for today at some point. I want to pray where that, that we are good medicine. And for our own lives that we receive good medicine. And for other people's lives, we could be good, that God could use us to be good medicine for them. You've ever hung out with someone, maybe for a day, maybe for a few hours. And after you hang out with them, you just feel um, regenerated, man. You just feel full of vision and faith no one has anyone like that in their lives <laughs> should i have at least someone like that there's certain people in my life very few that i can hang out with and and i just leave there and it's like i'm ready to go to war i can't i mean i mean it's crazy like whatever you whatever i think and it's and that's very contagious it's very good it's healthy it's medicine you know the lord puts things into reality too when you hang out with someone like that of what's for now and what's not for now but still that feeling is good where someone could pour into you as good medicine and it, and it does something to your spirits it does something to your faith and 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 now, you know I was thinking about what what do I want to do where do I want to continue in our conversation here as we gather again today especially after Thanksgiving and I started to really just think about and hear your stories and speak to you guys whether it was through a text message some few phone calls and then you guys pulling me aside throughout the last week um, after our thanks a latte night um, many of you guys were just uh, the Lord was challenging you guys and the Lord was impacting um, um, areas in your life in which he was dealing with it and 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 he and he confronted it on that Friday on thanks a latte and we spoke and we were reminded to look at our lives differently if you remember thanks a latte and and for you guys that were here and were touched by that word, um, you remember what that means and, and that phrase of look at your lives differently. Start disciplining yourselves to look at it differently. And because I, for the last week and a half or, no, or so, I know it struck a chord. I know that it touched many um, of our lives. Um, I didn't want to just hurry it, you know, because I started to think about that. And I said, okay, we spoke for like 15 minutes, but I almost felt like I said, no, I I, sh I should just continue to talk about that next time I get, we get together. Just because I saw that the Holy Spirit was doing something um, with that thought of, of just looking at your life, speaking into your life differently. So I want to revisit it instead of hurrying past it and say, oh, that was just our, our last Friday word. But how about if we just spend a little bit more time talking about it today and seeing what that means for our lives and to see how that challenges us going forward. Amen. And, now, and, and maybe as we revisit this at some point after today, we, we'll even pray together. And we'll pray together over these things. And, and why not even believe, right, that we could see today God do a miracle in our lives. A miracle in our lives in regarding these things. Now, this stuff started to happen um, within me just because I was sitting under someone in which was very contagious. And when this person was speaking, I was, I was drinking their words like medicine. And it, and it really stirred up my spirit. It stirred up my spirit. It stirred up my vision. It stirred up 
uh, my walk, and, and it's not that I was backslidden to use the word that is used so freely, or it's not that I was in a slump, or whatever, whatever terminology we may use. It was just something that God used an individual to continue to ignite in me. You know, like when Paul writes to Timothy, that you would stir up the gifts that were given to you by the laying hand of the elders. And, and I believe that Paul was kind of like good medicine for Timothy. And Timothy needed to hear some good medicine from Paul. And when he read that letter, I, I, I truly believe that when he read that, some good medicine stirred up in Timothy. And he said, I have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I think he called a special church meeting because good medicine wrote him a letter. And, and, he, and, he, and he was filled with something. I believe that that's what happened with Timothy that continued. And he had someone like Paul. And he had specific brothers in the faith and 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 I want that and, and I sat under that and I said well I'm just going to continue the dialogue on this and I'm going to share this to to my family and hopefully it stirs in them as it's been as it's being stirred in me and and, and I want to just um, um hopefully encourage you but I understand and I've recognized that as the Lord encourages he also watch this encouragement might come from the place of correction uh, you see we, I know, Lord, encourage me. You sure? Because you know I have to correct as I get ready to encourage. I just can't. A true loving good, right, good, a good father can't just encourage the children without ever um, disciplining or correcting their child. So because he's good, he does encourage. But it might come from this filter called correction as well. So I'm praying for all these things to happen to us today. And I hope it encourages you guys, and I hope you're corrected, and I hope it really does pour. I hope I could pour some good medicine that when you walk out of here, you're like, man, I'm stirred. I want to stir someone else up. So, so uh, be, just be blessed by that. Listen, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who I love, if you've been here for a long time, I quote him a lot. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, love him. Um, he passed away. He was a spy, and um, he was a theologian and, and, and whatnot, and he, he passed away after World War II through, uh, through the through Hitler and, and his regime, they ended up uh, persecuted, arresting him, and killed him. But Bonhoeffer says this, it's only with gratitude that life becomes rich. And, and what an amazing statement that is. It is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. Just think about that statement and what that might mean to you. It is only through gratitude that life becomes rich. So, so the that's what I'm praying for my life, for our lives, that gratitude would take over my heart, our heart, right? Your hearts would take over our lives so that life would be richer. I want gratitude to fill me so that life can be richer. If I am, if I am more content and satisfied in God, if, if, if I could find greater gratitude in Christ, if I could find the joy of the Lord, regardless of my circumstances, I could live in the riches of God. And I've, I've recognized that in Scripture. And I want that for my life. And I want to pray that for ourselves uh, today. So, so consider this, right? Are we satisfied? Are we satisfied with impoverished hearts? Or are we longing for greater riches within? Can you ask yourself that question today as we introduce this, right? Am I satisfied with impoverished heart or am I longing for greater riches within? Because what I just said was that Bonhoeffer says it's gratitude that life becomes richer. It's with gratitude. 
So, so what am I satisfied in? Come on. Many times, many times, listen to this. We can't see the blessings or notice the blessings before us when we're not living in gratitude. Any of you just like been blessed and, and, and you know when you're at the right place, like man, I've actually been pretty blessed. But, but when, you're in, when you're filled with ingratitude, it's difficult to see the blessings in front of you. When you're filled with ingratitude, your child, instead of becoming a blessing, becomes a headache. You know, all, and we could go to detail. You know, you prayed for that job. You're in it, two years in it. You're filled with ingratitude after the job that you prayed for and you honored the Lord for. You even gave a testimony before the church about how good God is because he gave you that job. But then two years later, all you have to say is how much your job stinks and you can't stand your boss and your coworker who gossips in the lunchroom. If she says one more thing about you, you're going to let her have it. And your ingratitude of your heart caused you to no longer see that which you gave testimony of as his blessing in your life has caused you to look over it. And you're no longer encountering and experiencing that blessing of God because ingratitude has filled your heart. I'm wondering if there's anyone with me today that you could relate to that and say, man, I know what it is to be blessed but miss my blessings because my heart is filled with ingratitude. And I want to spend time in that, you know, because it touched my life and it's touching my life and I want to encourage you because a heart of thanksgiving, a merry heart will cause us to enjoy and to notice these blessings. Enjoy and notice our blessings. And I want to spend time as we encourage each other to look into and speak into our lives differently. Can you just pause and, and maybe I'll just stay quiet for five seconds. And I want you to think about how you speak about yourself. Go, think about that. Welcome back. Now, you wake up and you've already claimed certain things over your life. So are you starting up the day in victory or are you already starting in defeat trying to conquer the very things that you woke up to already speaking about yourself in? So, so before you walked into that job with that boss you can't stand, with that girl that sits next to you, that if she tells you one more thing, you're going to let her have it, that, 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 that job. Before you have to deal with that circumstance, you're already dealing with the circumstance of your mind that is defeating you when the alarm clock went on and you hit snooze because you already started with five statements of defeat and how you speak into your life. You're with me, right? How do you look into your life? How do you speak into your life? Do you wake up with praises inside of you? Do you wake up with the song that we just sang? He is good, good, good father. Or do you wake up like today's going to stink. I'm going to have a horrible day. The deadline is today. Oh my God, I'm running late. My children give me a headache. My spouse from yesterday's fight. And the day already starts wrong. It's a brand new day. Nothing has happened yet. But you're living in defeat because of the way that you speak into your life and the way that you look into your life. Seriously, are you tired of living with impoverished hearts or do you want gratitude to rise you up to a place where your life becomes richer? That our outlook would change, right? To, to look at our problems differently, to look at situations presented to us uh, differently. And it could be, this could be so real, and I think it is actually, to many of us, that our outlook in life it could actually rob us from enjoying the blessings before us. How many of you have blessings before you? 
the ones that couldn't see it, I'm talking to you today. You're like, I don't think I have blessings before you. This message might be for you. Because there is no doubt in my mind that every single one of us has blessings before us. There is no doubt. But maybe it's our outlook that is robbing us from saying, Amen. I have a blessing in my life. And that's, that's the stuff that I want to nudge at. Because, listen, maybe, maybe this could relate and, and it's nothing. I'm not hiding anything here. You know this. Because I too, like maybe many of us here, fight against my mind daily. And daily I have to decide, will I let the lies in my mind win? Or will I discipline myself today to think and speak as he thinks and speaks over me? Will I live and think and speak contrary to his word or will I live, think, and speak according to God's word? Like how do you live? Contrary or according? How do you speak? Contrary or according? Think about that statement. Think about what that means in your life going forward. Because I could lose out on the blessings that he's laid before me because I've given to the appetite. I've given into the appetite of ingratitude. I've, I've fed that. And because I fed that, it's ingratitude has, has swamped and chewed up any gratitude that God may have for me. And there is no way, you know, in this season of Thanksgiving, I love how someone came up here and said, it's not just a season, it's a lifestyle. Amen. Amen. But, but it's very easy to get so caught up in this season, and by December already, all life stinks. I mean, next month, I'm not even going to go a whole year. The next day. See, and a heart filled with ingratitude, it causes us, and, and maybe this is so important, listen to this. It causes me, it causes us to think more about me. A heart that is filled with ingratitude, an ungrateful heart, thinks more about me, and it will always make it about me, rather than finding joy in Christ and making it always about Christ and all the many blessings that he's given me. When I'm filled with ingratitude, it's about me. It's about how they hurt me. It's about how they affected me. It's about how that situation, and, and it's like, it's not even about you. How about you just pause and, and rejoice in the goodness of the Lord, in the blessings of God, but a heart that is filled with this yuck, with this scum that, that, that we could all relate to, it will cause me to be about myself and it will elevate and raise up um, my pride. And you'll, you'll find this true if you've lived this. That if you live thankful, if you live merry, right, merry in your blessings, you will live in greater surrender to the blesser who has bestowed those blessings upon you. If I live in greater surrender to the blesser, the one who has given me these blessings, if I could just come to the place where I'm filled with thanksgiving, where I'm filled with gratitude, where my heart is merry and I live under greater surrender to the blesser for all the blessings, it would be, it's, it will be better. My life would be richer, to use the words of Bonhoeffer. And you'll find that true in your life. I, I want to read a passage in Romans 1. Romans 1 is an awesome passage of scripture as Paul is writing. But I want to just grab two uh, Two verses from this, from this long context of, of teaching that, that Paul is giving. And, and what Paul is speaking about in Romans 1 is he's speaking about God's wrath um, on unrighteousness. It's, it's, it's an awesome chapter and definitely you should read it and study it. 
Paul is speaking about the anger, God's anger towards sin and that sin. And, and he's really uh, bringing some things up to the surface. I guess better way of saying it. He's really confronting some lifestyles, some ways of thinking. And, and in this whole passage, he's letting the, the audience know, if this is you, God is not pleased with it. God is not honored in it. And, and Paul in Romans 1 has to find the, the boldness which he does have to write and confront about such things. And, and, and it's individuals who are maybe even of the church, some of them, and as they are of the church, they're living in sin and in unrighteousness. Some of them, some of the readers won't be of the church and it's to cause them to see where they're at in their lives and their spiritual walk. And, and Paul is writing such an amazing uh, text here in Romans 1. But I want to highlight these two passages because it actually deals with good medicine. It actually deals with having a merry heart, being thankful. And verse 20 Paul says this, he says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clear, clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Amen. That, that from, from since the creation, the in, that, that God's attributes, invisible attributes, they are seen with his creation. The creator, how many of you could say amen that the creator is seen through his creation? Paul, Paul is saying that. So I'm, I'm thinking that he's going to start, he's, he's speaking to some of God's creation. Because if the creator is seen in his creation, <clears throat> Where do we play a role in that? Are we his creation, yes or no? So is the creator seen in his creation? Yeah, the, the beautiful mountains and the seas and the valleys and the rivers, the, the beautiful landscape that he's given us to marvel over. I've never been to the Grand Canyon, but I've heard it's beautiful. For those that have gone, you were wild. I've been to Israel and I saw some of the sites there and that wild me. But I can't even imagine all these sites in the world dying to go to Australia and dive into the Great Barrier Reef and see what that underwater looks like. Looking forward to that. Hopefully God will make it happen one day. But you get what I'm saying. You, you marvel at, at creation, but, but since the creation of this world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. And, and what is that? We, we talked about some of the things that we could visit, but how about us? His creation, how is the creator seen? You could ask yourself that. And then he says, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There is no excuse. There is a creator. There is a God. What makes you say it? Creation itself testifies that there is a hand, there is a God that has brought all things to existence. There is a God. And Paul is, is throwing that out there. And in verse 21, he says, because of... So, so here's this, so this shows me that Paul is speaking about his creation, God's creation. Because, because of the relationship that verse 21 has with verse 20. Verse 20, God is seen in his creation. And verse 21, he starts with, because who? All they, they, they know, they is the creation of the creator. So because although they knew God, 
the they knew God is the creation of the creator. Because the creation knew God, look what, look what happened eventually in the creation's life. Look what happened. They did not glorify him as God. It does not end there, but Paul says, nor were they thankful. You see that? But they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. If you read scripture, this is not a mystery. If you've lived long enough, it's not a mystery. But in scripture, we see how like the children of Israel, for example, the Israelites, how they're set, and we're going to jump into them, so I don't want to get so into this, but, but they get freed from bondage over 400 years of bondage. I mean, they were abused and beaten, and they're set free. And, 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 and sometime later, you would think, I mean, just picture yourself walking through a sea that has parted in half for you, that has parted for you. And you've walked on dry land, and you're on this, uh, in this process of, of, of receiving this promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey. And moments later, Moses, this leader, is gone up to the mountain of God, and they automatically begin to reject the miracles that God's done, the blessings that God's given them. And they begin, for one example, there are so many that we could use. I'm going to give you 14 examples of complaining in the Israelites' lives. But, but they begin to build themselves a, a, a God that could be melted. A God that was formed by melting. <laughs> they, they, and they, I mean, if you're going to worship anything, you're going to worship a cow. And, and, they, and they worship this golden cow, and, and Aaron falls for it, and Aaron was, I mean, we're talking about Aaron, where the priesthood, the high priest is going to come out of this man. Now, I want you to understand this, because it's always happened. Adam and Eve, we could go to the origin of everything, right? They were given everything. Everything that you have is yours. Walk in dominion. Everything that comes up to you, you name it and you give it its name and so shall be its name. But out of one tree, out of the thousands that I've given you, out of one fruit, out of the thousands of fruit that I've given you, you shall not eat from. Think about what that means. And in their disobedience, they go what? Opposite of God's word. And they make themselves God. Creation turns against creator yet again. Have you experienced in your life where creation has turned against creator yet again? It's part of humanity. It's part of our fallen state. Creation does very well at turning and rejecting God's holiness and has called bad good. Has called evil good. Yes or no? Make sure I'm talking to the right people here. So when Paul says these things in verse 20, he is speaking about his creation. He is speaking about the current reader, the audience that this is going to be read before. And some 2,000 years later, to us right here in this church. As a reminder or maybe as a correction to then become an encouragement in our lives. Amen? So because the creation knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. They became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. What a powerful passage. What powerful text this is. Because they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God. And it says, not only not worship him, but they wouldn't give him thanks. What does that mean? It means... The reason why they couldn't worship him as God, because their heart wasn't there. How do we know that? 
Because not even thanksgiving was found in their hearts. Why did you stop worshiping? You understand that we could fake worshiping God. You understand that, right? We could sing a song, but our heart could not be there. You know that, right? We could do a dance, but our heart could not be there. We could preach a message, and our heart could easily not be there. I want to make sure we understand that. It could happen to anyone. So when Paul is speaking here, they knew God. They wouldn't worship him as God. And and there's a comma. They wouldn't give him thanks. What is he really saying about the creation? I mean, this is what I'm getting from this text. They're filled with ingratitude. They're filled with ingratitude. What does that mean? Because they're filled with ingratitude, now they can't see the what before them. You should know this already. They can't see the blessing before them. Who's the blessing before the creation? The creator. So what do they do now? Because, they, because they're filled with ingratitude, now they lack in what? Worshiping creation, worshiping creator. So they can't worship him, and they're not thankful of him. Have you ever seen the text like that? So important. And what, what else do they do? They, they can't give him thanks. And then it says this. They begin to think of foolish ideas about God. That foolish ideas could be many things, like a golden cow. That's that's a dumb idea. God is not a golden cow. Did you notice that creation had to build a creation to worship something that is a created thing? It doesn't work like that. Why don't you just worship, skip that, and worship the one that created all things? But whatever. It's an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. What does that mean? Ingratitude has festered in that heart. So, so I want us to recognize this because they think about foolish ideas of God. I believe that he's even talking about doctrines. And, and foolish ideas of God and what God is and what God is. Like, well, what does the word of God say? Well, who is God and what is God and what is he like and what does he sound like and what are his words? And it says here that as a result, their minds become dark and, listen to this, they become confused. So you have creation who is made, to, come on, like really get into this with me. They're, they're made in the image and in the likeness of God. But there is nothing in the Bible that tells me that my God is confused. That my God is, has foolish thoughts or foolish ideas. And there's nothing in the Bible that says that my God's mind has become darkened. So what happens to the creation who was made like the creator but now has what? Distanced themselves from him because of ingratitude hearts. And now their hearts are not like God's hearts. Their thoughts are not like God's thoughts. Okay, and their way of being is not like God's way of being. So God writes in Isaiah and stuff like that. My ways are not your ways nor are my thoughts higher. Your thoughts for they're higher than yours. He's reminding us because of our fallen state. Man, my thought and my mind and my view and my insight insight and my outlook into all of this stuff is so much greater than what you could even imagine think about how creation has separated themselves from the lord because of because of hearts filled with ingratitude so i read romans 1 all of it and i read 20 and 21 as i highlight that today and i don't want to take my mind off of god i hope none of you here want to take your mind off of god and if any of you have your mind off of god I'm praying that today would be the encouragement for some good medicine that you could drink and get your mind back on God. Why is it important? Why is it important to have your mind on God? Because, listen, let's just go off it. Ready? 
If my mind is off God, Paul says in Romans 1, if, if my heart is separated from God, my mind is off God, I understand the danger of it. I know the outcome and what it will be. And he says this, it is a life that ceases from glorifying him. A, 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 a heart distant from God, a mind taken off God, not only does it cease from glorifying my God, but listen, I am no longer thankful. I'm no longer thankful. My heart will be filled with ingratitude. Listen, my ideas of God will become foolish. I will live in confusion and my mind will be darkened. Where's your heart? Where's gratitude in your heart? Has your ideas of God become foolish? Are you living in confusion? Has your mind been darkened? These are great symptoms that you are in need of good medicine. Hallelujah. Great symptoms that you are in need of good medicine. I, where I will get to a place that if I'm not receiving this heart of gratitude, that I will begin to live for self rather than the one who is greater than me. I will live for self rather than the one who has greater for me. Not only is he greater than me, but he has greater for me. How many of you can say amen? Not only is he greater than us, but he has greater for us. It says, they knew God, but they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. Thoughts became empty, hearts became dark and confused. So the question is this, has your life ceased from being grateful? Is it hard for you to be thankful? Instead of experiencing richness within, have you settled for poverty and dryness that you may be feeling? Like, are you, are you gasping for breath? Are you dried up? Have you settled for poverty rather than what Bonhoeffer says, than richness by the gratitude of God? So without maybe you even knowing it or planning it, maybe it became more about us, more about you rather than about him. Has our lives become more about ourselves than it has become more about him? Uh, I love what, uh, I'm going to quote, I didn't say this or come up with this, but I'm going to quote Piper for a moment. And he says this. He says, when gratitude springs up in the human heart toward God, he is magnified as the wealthy source of our blessing. He is acknowledged as giver and benefactor and therefore as glorious. But when gratitude does not spring up in our hearts at God's great goodness to us, it probably means that we don't want to pay him a compliment. We don't want to magnify him as our benefactor. And there is a very good reason that human beings by nature do not want to magnify God with thanksgiving or glorify him as the benefactor. The reason is that it detracts from our own glory and all the people by nature love their own glory more than the glory of God. I think that's a good statement by him 
So I, I start to look at this and I read Paul's letters in Romans and I look at scripture and I see these men of God and what they're saying. And I say this, so if I'm dried up, if you're dried up, if you're without strength, if you're weary, if you're showing symptoms of spiritual sickness, man, we got to come to the place where we recognize I'm in position and I am in need for good dosage of heavenly medicine. I got to take from the Lord so that my life could become richer, so that I could enjoy a life of thanksgiving in my heart, of gratitude within, so that you don't have to wait till next November that you get around a table to finally confess what you're thankful for, but that your life spills from, your, from all of your being that you are grateful and thankful for your king, for your God who reigns and has given you all the blessings before you. I shared with you a week and a half ago, Proverbs 17, 22, about good medicine. And the proverb says, a merry heart does good like medicine. It relates to what Paul is telling the church. A joyful heart, a cheerful heart does good like medicine. A merry heart does good like medicine. It's, it's good medicine. But he says, but a broken spirit. A crushed spirit, broken spirit, it dries the bones. It saps a person's strength. Huh? You know what I'm talking about? You understand what this verse means? You get this? You, you wake up, but you're already drowning. A merry heart, a joyful and cheerful heart, is good medicine. It's broken spirit. It's crushed spirit. It dries up bones. It's, it's sapping. It's taking away our strength. Jesus, Jesus' very own words to his followers in regarding to keeping his word, in regards to abiding in his love. Look what he says in John 15, 11. This, 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 this whole, this verse comes from a place where he's teaching, or he's, he, yeah, he's teaching his followers about the importance of keeping my word about the importance of abiding in my love. And what does he say in the midst of this teaching? He says this, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Amen. In Galatians 5.22, joy is one of the attributes of one that has the fruit of the Spirit in them. Yes or no? So I want to say then to... to Look at the mirror, to look at the word of God as a mirror, to look at our own condition and change the way we look into it, change the way we speak into our very own lives. How many of you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you know right off the bat, right now, as I'm speaking, that there are things in your life that you need to change in how you look into it and how you speak into it? How many of you know? That that is specifically for you. Because none of that stuff has brought anything good. It's dried up bones rather than being good medicine which gives life to the situation. How many of you know and can relate to that already? Think about that. Think about that. That we would discipline ourselves and retrain our mind the way it ought to think. That we would retrain our mouths the way it ought to speak. Are you speaking the way your mouth ought to speak? Are you? 
Are you thinking the way your mind ought to think? Mighty quiet in here today. I take that as a good sign. That we would be people that others would want to be around. Hey, can I ask you a question? And please, don't get mad at me about this stuff. But this is just a question for you to answer. I'm not putting anyone on the spot. But are you someone that it's a struggle for people to hang out with? Because you, you dry up bones rather than you being good medicine to someone. It's not the end. You know, you're not going to be discouraged. You're not going to be filled with condemnation today. That's not what you're going to do. You're going to realign yourself and start taking in good medicine. Amen? And you're going to say, I'm going to change the way I think. And I'm going to change the way I speak. Because I have the Lord living inside of me. Are you cheerful? Are you merry? Are you joyful? Are you good medicine? Is it good medicine for yourself and even for others? And, and you could ask some of the people that are closest to you. Am I good medicine? Pray for me so that I could be better medicine. My, my, who would I have to ask? Definitely my wife. Pray for me so that I could be good medicine. She knows that I need good medicine for myself because of what I've already told you about my mind. And then I know that I need good medicine for them because I need to pour good medicine into them. So, so, you, so really consider about like what does the Holy Spirit want to do in me so that he could do through me. And I need, I need him and I need to rejoice and I need to find joy. If not, I'm going to be and we're going to be dried up bones where we sap up our own strength and the other's strengths around us. I want to be like the person that I sat under and was just speaking and speaking and speaking and then vision and, and dreams and things stirred up again in me that God has put in there. And, and, and I like that. That's contagious. I, I want to be just like that person. I want to be that for someone else. I want that when I speak, someone says, I don't know what I have to do, but I'm going to do something. I'm just going to go put on my shoes and go run. I'm like, okay. Like, I, I just want to be good medicine for someone. I don't want to be like trickles of poison that eventually will cause that person to die out and kill them, wither them. But good medicine. Like that person was to me a couple weeks ago that said, yeah, man, feel that fire in me. Absolutely. So, so I, I really want you to consider that. We all have the ability to be more happy. Do you know that? Can you say that to yourself? I'm not going to look at you. I have the ability to be more happy. I wish you would believe that. I have the ability to be more thankful. I have the ability to be more joyful. Can you say, I have the ability to be more joyful. And I'm telling you that, that right there, that place can change your outcome. But the question is, back to the beginning, how do you look at your situation and how do you speak into it? How do you speak into your life? It's contagious. And remember what I've said. Don't look at what you don't have and look at what you do have. And enjoy the things that you do have. Stop looking at what others have. Stop, looking at, uh, and stop listening to the other stories. And wish, I wish that story was my story. You might not want that story, trust me. You might not want that picture on Instagram. Trust me. Trust me, you might not want it. It looks lovely. It looks beautiful. But it might, you might not want that. What I'm trying to say is, where's the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you that is giving you a heart of gratitude that says, I have blessings before me. And I'm going to learn to enjoy the blessed one who has given me the blessings that I have already.
Anyone in here could relate? Then let's do it. In Proverbs 15, 13 and 15 Proverbs, I only picked a couple of them because there's so many. He says, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. All the days of the afflicted are evil. But he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. What a beautiful word. So I read Proverbs 15, 13, and 15, and I say, wow, as I read this, I recognize that the issue may not be whether my circumstances changes or not. The, the, the root of this would be whether my heart changes or not. And it's like family. We don't choose them, so your family can't change, but maybe our heart and how we look at our family and into our family can change, and the whole outcome begins to change. A merry heart makes a cheerful face. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken, and all the days of the afflicted are evil. But he who is of a merry, cheerful, joyful heart, man, feasts continuously. Proverbs 4.23, we know this verse, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. One translation says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good work makes it glad. Man, I, I think we have to look within and see what is it that we're living and acting upon because of what's rooted within. How is the creation before its creator? So here we go. When we're filled with ingratitude, we know this, our outlook changes. What happens? Man, if we're filled with ingratitude, we now become negative. When we're filled with ingratitude, we begin to complain. When we're filled with ingratitude, and I've said this before, we fall into the trap of comparing. And, and, and we, what did we speak about? We said Genesis chapter 4. We looked at Cain's life. Remember Cain? Where we can find joy. Listen to this. Listen to this. If it's, if it's relative to you, then amen, take it. But if not... It's for someone. Where we, like Cain and Abel in Genesis 4, where we can find joy in wanting what others may have or may have to offer, like Cain did with Abel's offering. Rather than finding joy and being thankful in what I have and what I can offer. So, you know, as in different realms of my life, I could want what someone else has. And it could easily handicap me in where I'm at in my current position with God. Where I want that ministry, where I want that skill, where I want this look, where I want that thing, where I want, and I could easily, and God could be like, but, but why aren't you just faithful and honor and grateful for where you're at right now and what I've given you presently today? So what does this do in Cain's life? It leads Cain to the unimaginable. And if you've studied the life of Cain and Abel, if you've even read it, you'll recognize what it is. It's to cause murder in his heart, which actually causes murder without. And he kills his own brother. In gratitude, unthankfulness, it blinds him from the reality before him. What's one of my points that I'm not going to get so deep into? But here it is. When you're filled with ingratitude, you are blinded by the, you're blinded to the reality before you. You want what someone else wants. You do what someone else does. Our life becomes like something else it's not. 
Be thankful. Be filled with gratitude so that you could enjoy the blessings before you. So, so Cain kills his brother Abel. And the Lord has some questions for Cain, as we've said. And, and he warns Cain after some of these questions. And in Genesis chapter 4, 6, here is what the Lord asks Cain. Why are you so angry? Why has your face fallen? Why do you look so dejected? Isn't that, a powerful, isn't that some powerful questions? So, 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 so God is confronting Cain like something about you has changed. Like when he asks Adam, right? Adam, where are you? I believe it's something about Adam changed. Where are you, Adam? It's not because Adam was hiding. It's because Adam had changed. Why do you look so angry? Why has your face fallen? Why are you so dejected? So, so I read these passages. I see, I see what happens when I'm not receiving good medicine, when I'm not cheerful at heart. I'm talking about myself personally. And I recognize, man, I need to guard my heart. How many of you know that God has called you to guard your heart? I know he's called me. Because if I guard my heart, I recognize that it determines the course of my life. If I don't guard it and I allow things in it, Man, it's going to destroy friendships. It's going to destroy relationships. It's going to destroy my ministry. It's going to, I mean, eventually things are going to get polluted. I need to guard my heart because it's going to determine the course of my life. I, I, I'll read it again. A, Proverbs 15, 13, and 15. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. 15b, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. It's very easy, very easy to forget the past and present blessings from the Lord and have our minds and our hearts to focus only on the negative. Negative, negative because we're filled with ingratitude. How is it that I've become so negative? Have you ever asked yourself that? If you have, how come I've become so negative? Check the heart. There might be, it might be filled with ingratitude. And because of that, what comes out of your mouth, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks and negativity comes out. You with me? So, very easy to forget that. And then this negativity and this ingratitude in our hearts leads us to complain in all things rather than choosing rejoicing in all things. And I believe in the Old Testament that Moses and the Israelites are a great example for us. And listen to this, are a, a great example about us. I remember when I was in Ohio, Pastor Tom, one of the bishops in our fellowship, he, he spent day after day after day for hours just teaching us about the pastorate position, the pastorate role, whatever. And the church, and he used the Exodus text to teach us about ministry, about a pastor's heart, about the church. And, and so, so the, the whole Exodus from Egypt and the whole wilderness means a lot to me because it was a big part of my time in Ohio under Pastor Tom's teaching. But here are the Israelites that spent 400 years, like I said, under harsh slavery in Egypt. And, and we see in our text, just as in them, how easy it is to rejoice in, how easy it is to rejoice in the freedom that the Lord may give us. And then from that rejoicing in what God's given us, amen, amen, out of nowhere, instantly, we begin to complain about the same freedom that we received in Christ. That's what the children of Israel did. Why did they do this? Back to Romans 1. Because although they knew God, they what? They stopped glorifying him. Nor were they thankful. They became futile in their thoughts. And foolish hearts were, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Their hearts were foolish and darkened. 
So I, I ask myself a question as I read text, as I share it with you. Could it be that you haven't possessed your inheritance in Christ because you struggle with similarities of that of the Israelites? That in this journey from slavery to sin, there's a mindset shift that must occur in order to possess inheritance in Christ, which for the Israelites was the promised land. So this is just a question for us. So let's look at the journey. This is going to be fun. Here's 14 times the journey through the wilderness from exiting Egypt to the wilderness. 14 times we see them complaining. Number one, in Exodus 5, the people complained to Moses that because of him, and it's because of his talk of this promised land, Pharaoh now makes it worse for them. And they begin to complain about Moses. You're about to be delivered. And they're complaining about their deliverance. Can you imagine that? Lord, you want to deliver me from addictions, whatever it is. But now because of you're trying to deliver me, it's become worse for me. Like, what are you doing? And they're complaining. Number two, the Israelites in Exodus 14, 11, and 12, they begin to complain and they tell Moses, if you read this passage, eventually, just go. Go without us. Leave us alone. We're better here. Number three, in Exodus 15, 22, the people begin to complain eventually of water that is bitter. And they're complaining about bitter water rather than being grateful of everything that God is doing in them. In Exodus 16, number four, especially verses one through four, the people begin to complain about we're just hungry, Moses. We're hungry and we're going to die out here and it's not good. We should have just stayed in Egypt and we're hungry. And God's like, all right, man, just tell them to go back into their tents. Tomorrow morning when they wake up, open the tents, I'm going to have food from heaven waiting for them. And they complain because they're hungry. Number five, in Exodus 17, they complain them now that they're thirsty. If they're not hungry, they're thirsty. Number six, in Exodus 32, 28, they now forsake the Lord. And, and the Lord, um, he orders the Levites, you know what? We're going to kill about 3,000 people today, okay? Take your swords out. Because they began to worship this false god, this golden calf. But they, they forsake the Lord and worship another god. Number seven, a, a group from the multitude, a mixed group here of the people, they begin to complain about the food. And the Lord burns the outskirts of the camp. And, and Moses in prayer is like, Lord, just take me. Moses is so filled with anguish and depression and anxiety. He's like, just kill me, God. Let them live and just get rid of me. I'm done with these people. Let me go up to you. Like Moses, man, he just wants to die. And the Lord sends a plague in verse 33. Number seven. Number eight, in Numbers 12, Miriam and Aaron, they begin to complain about their very own brother, the leader. Oh, look at Moses. And they complain about their leader, their pastor. They complain about him, number eight. And, and the Lord curses Miriam with leprosy. Number nine, in Numbers 14, the people complain about how difficult it looked to conquer the giants in the land. So uh, we're not going in there. Are you crazy? They're going to kill us. And here's the land that God's promised, but they're like, we're not going to go in there. There's giants in there and it does not look good. They begin to complain about the giants in the land when they finally see that the land is right there to take. I forgot what number I'm on, but number nine. Number ten, the people now begin to rise up and they complain, let's just kill Moses. Let's select another leader. Moses is done. He's off it. He's off the ledge. He's just, his prime, he's over it. He's, his messages were good, but now they're going too long. He's all over the place. And they want to kill Moses. They want to select another leader. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. I'm going to destroy them all if they don't get right. And the people are filled with pestilence. And number 11, I mean, complaining after complaining. And number 16, some of the key leaders now, they say, you know what, we're going to do this. And they rebel against Moses. Now God, in number 16, gets serious. And, and we know what happens, right? He causes some form of earthquake or something. And he swallows the offenders in, into the earth. I mean, man, we serve a gracious God. Number 12, 
the people complain again for the 12th time. And now they, they're like, I can't believe that you caused that earthquake. You killed some. We love them. Like, you allow God, you allow God to kill them through an earthquake. And they begin to complain against Moses. We love these people and you killed God's people. And then God's like, I'm not done. And, and from there he swipes 14,700 more people. I think he's like, stop complaining. It's not working good for you, he's telling them. Number 13, the people approach and confront Moses again because of no water. And Moses is like, I'm done. And this is when he hits, he hits the rock with the water out of anger. And water comes out. And God's like, you should have never done it with anger. He's teaching him as a leader, don't ever make a decision off anger. Whatever, it's not about Moses right now, but it's about the whole complaining situation. Number 14, guess what they do again? They complain again. And they complain against God and against his leader, Moses. And then God says, I'm going to do this once and for all. I'm going to cause all the serpents in the land to bite them. And when they bite them, they'll die. <laughs> but I'm gracious. Make a pole and lift it up. And if they look, they will be saved. He shows them the depth of their sinful nature. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up because as you read, and we don't have time to go into all 14 of those complaining passages that the Israelites contended and complained. But I could say this, if you study Exodus and all these passages carefully, you'll recognize that the children of Israel, the Israelites, they had a lot to be thankful for and they had a lot that they could have been grateful for. But instead they chose, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to wake up today and I'm going to complain against God rather than say, thank you, God. Though I have not seen it fully, thank you for the blessings before me and from where you released me from. And they could have lived in greater joy. But that whole generation passed, listen to this, without receiving their inheritance. Are you with me? That whole generation passed without receiving their inheritance. Because they chose to have ungrateful hearts. And then Joshua, the next leader, comes in. He's like, we got it. I'll conquer the land. Who's with me? And good medicine comes. And good medicine starts to pour. And people start to say, I'm with Joshua. We'll conquer it. And they start to believe in Joshua's tales that actually become true. Good medicine. It takes you a long way far it takes you a long way but it also takes those that walk with you a long way as well come on choose today will I be grateful will I be filled with thanksgiving or will I choose to be bitter and complain and have have my heart filled with ingratitude all of this stuff from the children of Israel reminds me of 1 Thessalonians 5 when Paul tells the church of Thessalonica he says rejoice always when always pray without ceasing and then I love this he says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you that's 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 a powerful scripture in what in everything give thanks can I I want to I want to share something because one translation says be thankful in all circumstances For this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. So 
I read this and I say, I get it, man. Be thankful in all circumstances. Listen. But you don't know my circumstance. I never told you to be thankful for your circumstance. I told you to be thankful in your circumstance. Everyone has a circumstance here. We're filled with empathy for them. We're, we're, we're like, man, I'm sorry that you have to go through that. We're not going to look at you in the face and say, get over it already. Your heart is so bitter. We're not going to do that here. We recognize that that's your circumstance. And it's hard to say, if I share with you my circumstance, everything you preached, very easy for you to say, you're right. Because I might not share that circumstance of yours. I might share another one that might be a burden to me. And just because it's not your burden, it's my burden. And yours is your burden, and I respect yours. You respect mine. But scripture says that I have the ability. This is, this is now, watch this. This is now the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. What is? When I'm able to be thankful in every circumstance while not necessarily being thankful for every circumstance. That's some crazy talk. I have the ability through the work of the Holy Spirit to be thankful in and not necessarily for. If I allow that work to happen in me. Many people are taught that you need to be thankful for everything. Scripture says be thankful in everything. In everything. The work of the Holy Spirit that causes me to be thankful in everything. Tony Evans preaches off this and I'm going to grab a segment of his teaching and he says this. God says, I'm not even going to try to, I wish I could speak like him, right? God says to give thanks in everything. <laughs> Tony Evans has a grace, man. That doesn't mean you need to give thanks for everything. You don't need to give thanks for that bad day or for that bad relationship or being passed over at work, financial hardship, whatever it is. You're not to give thanks for the difficulties, but rather in the difficulties. And that is a very important distinction and one I think we often miss, giving thanks in everything shows a heart of faith that God is bigger than the difficulties and that he could use them if you approach him with the right heart and the right spirit for your good and for his glory. That's good. Paul is thanking the church of Philippi for their generosity. And Paul says in Philippians 4, 11, 12, and 13, he says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be, listen to this, content with whatever I have. Paul says content. The word content there in the Greek is as if you say it this way. I have learned how to be sufficient. Sufficient. Look at verse 12. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation whether it's with a full stomach or an empty stomach, whether it's with plenty or a little, for I can do, and he, he puts all the weight on the one who deserves it all. It's not about me, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. The supernatural ability to be content in everything is in verse 13, for I can do it all through Christ who gives me strength. It's in everything through him. Not for everything, but in everything. Through him, 
I've learned to be content in imprisonment, in beatings, in good and in bad, in highs and in lows. Because, because of verse 13, because I can do it all through Christ who gives me strength. Come on, I want you to stand with me. And I want you to examine your heart. And I want you to really see where you stand today. Where's your heart? You know very well that you're, that God's calling you to a life of gratitude. A life of thanksgiving in all things. Even though the circumstance is hard for you. Even though it may be rough. Though the situation, if you, if you lose your mind, then it could be very confusing. But if you keep your mind... your heart if you guard it all if you allow him to fill you with gratitude you could be like Paul and you could say I've learned to be content and sufficient in all these things that through whatever it is that life may bring me I could say these words I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me I've been able to find joy I've been able to rejoice. I've been able to find happiness. I've been able to find thanksgiving in all things because of the Christ who strengthens me. I want you just to examine your heart. This is what we'll do today. We're going to sing a song. I want you just to get lost with God. If you know you need prayer today, if you know this message is speaking deeply into your life, and you need the supernatural work of God to give thanks in everything. To be filled with the heart, heart filled with gratitude, thanksgiving, with joy. I want to just give you the ability and the freedom to, you could come up here if you want. You could get on your knees, you could pray. Some of us will come alongside you and pray. And just hopefully as we put our arms around you and speak words into your life, we could be good medicine for you. We could stir up faith. We could stir up goodness in you. But if you know you're in dire need of, of good medicine, you're more than welcome to come up. But I want you right there where you're at to open up your heart and allow the, the Holy Spirit just to do that work. Allow Him to cause that good medicine to flow in you so that it could flow through you. Let your heart be filled with thanksgiving. Come on, begin to cry out to your God. I don't think anyone in here should be silent. I think there's so much we could be thankful for and grateful for. And there's so much that we could pray for today. Come on, get lost. Let, let, let this be just a vital time together in His presence. And you're more than free to come up to the altar, come up to the front, and we'll pray for you, pray with you. But let's just spend some time in His presence. Ask the Lord what this looks like in our lives.